If you have your Bibles, turn to the 24th chapter of Matthew. We're so glad you're here. Pastor Gary's got his granddaughters on the front row, and they're beautiful. Thank God they look like their grandmother and not their grandfather. (laughs) But they're just absolutely beautiful, and I know he's proud of them. And uh, and we're just all of all. How many grandparents do we have in the house this morning? Aren't those grandbabies just beautiful? Who's got the most beautiful grandbabies? Raise your hand. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Matthew chapter twenty four, verse number one. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. The only thing left now at the temple is the foundation. Amanda and I and about 40 other people, many from our fellowship, will be there in November. And you can see the foundation of the temple. It's, it's, you see pictures of it. It's called the uh, Western Wall or the Wailing Wall. It's where Jews pray today. That's, that's the foundation of the original temple. That's all that was left of it. It was destroyed in 70 A.D., the original temple. And it says here, Then Jesus went out and departed from that temple, and his disciples came to show him the buildings of the temple. Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. In other words, Jesus saying, they were showing him the temple and saying, Isn't this beautiful? It's amazing. It's beautiful. Not another building in the world like it. And Jesus said, Yeah, it's nice, but I'm telling you, it's coming down. Now, verse 3 says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when will these things be? In other words, when will this building come down? Tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Notice they asked three questions. They asked, when is this temple coming down? When are you, what is the sign of you coming back? They didn't say, when are you coming back? They said, what is the sign that points to your return? And of the end of the age. Thank God for His Word. I don't know where you grew up. I don't know if you grew up. If you grew up in church, I don't know about your church childhood experience. But my church childhood experience, they they just preached on five things. Every time you went, you heard one of these five things. It was every day, every, every year when I went to church. And I went to church my whole life. And they preached on five things. Those five things were simply this. You need to get saved. Number two, you need to get full of the Holy Ghost. (laughs) You need to learn to pray through. You need to understand that Jesus is coming back. And you got a heaven. You're going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. Five things. Get saved. Get full of the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Pray through. Jesus is coming back. And there's a heaven and those hell. Now, each one of those topics are true. And they're wonderful. And each one of them answered every question in life. Every question. You didn't... If you ask any question spiritually or religiously to people back years ago, you would get one of those answers. If you weren't a Christian and had life problems, you know what? You just need to get saved. If you were a Christian, if you were a Christian and had life problems... You know what? You just need to get full of the Holy Ghost. And then if you're a Christian and full of the Holy Ghost and still having life problems, you know what? You just need to learn to pray through. That was the answer to everything. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
You say praying through. How many have ever heard that term praying through? Let me ask, how many have never heard that term praying through? You say, what does that mean? Well, it means praying through your problem. There's a time, there's a place you can pray through your problem. Praying through the resistance keeping you from your answer. The book of Daniel in the Old Testament tells us that when you and I start to pray, there are spiritual, evil spiritual forces in the heavenlies that are trying to prohibit our prayers from being answered. And praying through means to pray through that resistance. It means praying to the point that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that heaven was touched and heaven is responding to your cry. Listen, saints, there is a place you and I can get to in prayer that you know heaven has heard you when you get up from praying. You know it without seeing it. You know it in your heart that angels have been dispatched to work in your behalf and you can call your prayer done and answered before you see any favorable results. It's called praying through. But understand, we never get to that place of praying through being a transient prayer. Just passing through and giving God a high on your way to somewhere else. When you pray through, you're talking about doing your work in prayer. Doing your work in prayer. And the reason most of us never see results is because we're transient prayers. We just holler at God on the way to work. We holler at God as we're laying in bed before we drift off to sleep. We holler at God at our meals. That's, the only, that's not real prayer work. That's not going to get you through to anything. Because there are forces out there that are working overtime trying to get your prayer stopped. And sometimes we have to pray through that resistance. So if you had any problems in life, you just need to get saved, get filled with the Holy Ghost, and pray through. That was the answer. If you weren't a Christian, you need to get saved because Jesus is coming back. You used to hear that all the time. And then if you are a Christian full of the Holy Ghost, don't hold on to things too tightly here because this earth is not our home. Our eternal home is heaven anyway. Heaven. So we heard about, growing up, we heard about getting saved, get full of the Holy Ghost, <laughs> get prayed through, the rapture of the church, and heaven. We talked about heaven. Every week we talked about heaven. Every week we sang about heaven. Do y'all remember any songs on heaven? There's a happy land of promise over in the great beyond Where the saved of earth shall soon the glory share Where the souls of men shall enter and live on forevermore Everybody will be happy over there Everybody will be happy, will be happy Happy over there. Boom, boom, boom. We shall shout and sing His praise. Everybody will be happy over there. How many have heard that? Some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'll fly away. To a home on God's celestial shore, I'll fly away, 
And I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. When I rise, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Heaven, we sing about heaven. When with the Savior we enter the glory land, won't it be wonderful there? Ended the troubles and cares of the story land, won't it be wonderful there? And won't it be wonderful there? Having no burdens to bear. Joyously singing with heart bells all ringing. Oh, won't it be wonderful there? Anybody remember that one? Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing His mercy and His grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, He'll prepare for us a place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Now, how many of you have never heard that song? Raise your hand if you've never heard that song. You expect people of Florida not to heard that song. What are the rest of y'all not know anything about heaven? We're not going to live here forever. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more and the burning breaks eternal bright and fair when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore and the roll is called up yonder I'll be there when the roll is called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Now I know how many have heard that one. We sang about heaven. We preached about heaven. We wasn't expecting to stay down here. We were expecting Jesus to return. It was just where the church was at that time. But over the years now, the message started changing in the church. Jesus didn't come back. Heaven became a topic for the older folks. Because younger people don't die as rapidly as older people. And the Holy Spirit started revealing to the church the revelation of learning to live down here an abundant Christian life. 
If Jesus hadn't come back and we're still years away from going to heaven, then how are we supposed to live down here while we're on earth? And then the revelation started coming about John chapter 10, verse 10. John 10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you'll have it abundantly. So over the last 30 or 40 years, all we ever hear from in churches and from TV ministers and pastors is how to live this life abundantly, victoriously, overcoming. How to fulfill your destiny on earth. How to be successful on earth. How to be prosperous. The how-to's are an important message, and that's what we've been hearing for the last 30 or 40 years. In fact, this year alone, I went back and looked at my sermon titles for this year alone. This year, so far, this is what I've taught. How to pray for your children. How to overcome stress. How to grow spiritually. How to forgive. How to move past your mess-ups. How in 2018 to have a year of breakthrough. So the message in the church has changed. From heaven to the coming of the Lord to how to live victoriously and successful down here. Today, the only time you and I hear a message on heaven is at a funeral. When somebody has died. That's the only time you hear about heaven And to hear a message on the return of the Lord, that's almost, you don't even hear that anymore. In fact, some churches don't even think about that. It's almost forgotten. Almost. But something is stirring. They're starting to breathe throughout the land a conscious awareness among Christians that this thing might be changing in the days to come. Usually, when I hear of God doing something in one pocket of the world, I'll say, well, that's wonderful, that's great, praise God for their visitation. But when you start seeing God do the same thing in different nations, in different church groups, in different states, and it becomes a, something that God's doing six, Uh, consistently throughout the body of Christ, then all of a sudden you recognize God is up to something. God is moving in a special way. And I don't know if you realize it, but there's starting to be a rumbling in the body of Christ that this thing might be getting close to the end. You hear comments like this, how long can we go on? Is that a sign? The things that are happening in the atmosphere, is that a sign? The thing that are happening with nations, is that a sign? If the things that are happening in medicals, is that a sign? What about all these different unusual things that are happening in unusual places that we've never seen happen before? What does that mean? Something is stirring in the land. Unusual things are taking place at unusual places and suddenly people are getting to beginning to mention in the body of Christ, could this be a sign of Jesus coming? I want you to understand the Bible teaches that we will see signs. Everybody say signs. We will see signs along the prophetic highway that shows us that Jesus 
is coming back. Now, I know there's a scripture that says he'll come as a thief in the night. No man knoweth the hour. And we don't know the day. We don't know the hour. That's true. But the Lord does not want his church caught unaware. They ask in Matthew 24 for a sign. What is the sign when these things will be? What is the sign of your coming? That word sign there is literally from the Greek, and it means the same as a signpost on the highway. I don't know about you, but as I drive down, especially into new areas, I look for signs. We have a GPS, but I look for signs. And not only do I look for signs of where I'm going, but there's also signs on the side of the road that will say something like this, animal crossing, deer crossing. Crazy lady with a gun crossing. <laughs> and anytime you see signs, something similar to that, what's the first thing you do? You slow down. What are those signs there for? They're not to scare us. They're not to frighten us. I hear people talking, I don't want to hear about the coming of the Lord. I don't want, I just want to, I don't want, that scares me. Listen, the Lord doesn't show us these things to scare us. Just like signs are not on the road to scare us, they're there to warn us so that we can navigate a difficult passage safely and get to where we're supposed to get to. The Lord has placed before the church, and you're starting to see them, some prophetic signs that are, he said are going to take place before he returns. And they're not there to scare you and I. They're there to help us see that something's getting ready to happen and we need to be careful what we're doing here so that we can get to our destination safely. Because when some of these things start to take place in the world, the world is going to panic. People who do not know Jesus are going to panic and they're going to make some bad and unwise decisions. But the Lord wants us to know what's going to happen before it happens so that we can safely arrive at the destination He's called us to arrive at. The Bible forecasts that the times preceding the return of Jesus would be difficult. But those warnings are there to instruct us and direct us. Don't scare us. Not to scare us. Listen, the Lord wants you safe. He wants us whole. He wants us arriving at our destination safely. He's showing us these signs so that we can be prepared. Jesus warns of events that will occur so that we can recognize where we are and remain safe. If we'll pay attention to the prophetic signs, we will be able to navigate the days ahead very safely. Now, here's something that you and I need to understand. It's one of those things we taught years ago, but we don't hear it much anymore. And that's this. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Let me prove it to you from Scripture. Turn over to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Jesus had been resurrected from the dead. And he's talking to his disciples. It says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father promise, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? No, they were asking for a, a time. Give us a time. What day? 
what month, what hour. And he never answered that. He said to them, it is not for you to know the date, the month, or the hour. The Father has set by his own authority. But you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Verse 9. After he said this, he was taken up. He was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Verse 10. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, two angels. Verse 11, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, everybody say same Jesus. This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back. Will come back. He will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. He went up supernaturally. He's coming back supernaturally. The angels of God said that's what's going to happen. Do we believe angels? Well, probably not just by themselves, but the Apostle Paul said it was going to happen. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death or Christians who die so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him or who have died. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, the coming of the Lord, who are left until the coming of the Lord. See, Paul expected the Lord to come. He called himself... He said, we who are alive. He expected Jesus to come back so soon, he counted himself in the number. We who are alive, we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep or who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. With a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. After that, we who are still alive, notice he calls himself those that are alive. He expected Jesus to come back any day. We who are still alive and are left. Anybody ever see that or read that series, Left Behind? Anybody ever read? We who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so will we... Be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. See, the coming of the Lord is not meant to scare us. It's meant to comfort us and encourage us. There's coming an event to planet Earth that this world has never seen. Hollywood tries to portray it, but they'll not have an ability to do it that in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, the trumpet of God will sound, the angels will holler, and all of a sudden the the dead in Christ are going to come out of the graves, and those who are alive and remain who know Jesus as Lord and Savior are going to be lifted supernaturally. Gravity's going to let go, and we're going to go be with Jesus. Christ. It's going to happen. You say, that's the strangest thing I have ever heard. Well, just be a part of it and experience it. (laughs) Well, you know, uh, Paul wasn't the only one. Jesus said he is coming back. If the angels said it, that's neat. But angels and Paul, 
said it. They said the same thing. He's coming back. And then Jesus said he's coming back. Look what it says in John chapter 14, verse 1. Jesus said this. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to there to prepare a place for you? Verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. Jesus said, if I go to prepare a place, I'm coming back. Jesus said it. I'm going to come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So understand, the angel said he was coming back. The apostle Paul said he was coming back. Jesus said he was coming back. In the days to come, we will begin to hear and see more about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we're getting closer than we've ever been before. And the reason you're going to hear more from it, about it, is because people, God wants people warned. He wants people ready. He doesn't want anybody to miss His return. He wants them to be protected. Difficult days, the Bible says, will precede the coming of the Lord. We're starting to see it in the world today. But it's not to scare us. It's to get us ready. To protect us. You say, well, I've never heard such. If you mention that to some of my friends, they'll make fun of you. Well, the Bible said that that would happen. People have always made fun of when God's done something dramatic on planet Earth. God said this one time. 450 feet long. 75 feet wide. 45 feet high. Build it with cypress. Waterproof it with tar. Constructs decks and stalls and make the door wide. Build the deck three stories high and be sure to leave an opening below the roof 18 inches high all the way around the boat. Do it just like this and begin now because a flood's coming. And for hundreds of years, people laughed at Noah for saying that and preparing. But God was showing them this thing that they had never seen before and gave them years to repent. He gave them years to get in and spare themselves, but they made fun of it. They made fun of it. You remember, you know, God's a supernatural God. If He wanted to build a big boat, He could just say, if He said, let there be light, there could be light. He said at the beginning, let there be light, and we still have the sun shining today. It's never burned out. Since the beginning of time. So if God wanted a boat for just a family of seven, He could have spoken and that would have come into existence. But He had man to build it. So for hundreds, several hundred years, man could see God's getting up to something. But man scoffed at it. They made fun of it. But God wanted them warned. Likewise, these signs that we're seeing taking place in the earth realm today are not God mad at people. He's wanting to warn people. Something's getting ready to take place on a worldwide level. But you can be safe. You can be protected. People thought it was the craziest idea that Noah had ever had. People thought Noah had lost his mind. But it had been orchestrated by God. They mocked Noah. Year after year passed and the flood did not come. But Noah kept working. The Lord was warning people, providing a sign for them to be able to pass and navigate that season of life and what was to come successfully. 
Likewise today, people will disregard the signs that are taking place. But listen to what the Apostle Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, the last days, everybody say last days. We need to identify the last days. That word last there means the end of the last. The end of the last. The back portion of the last. The word last there means... The end, the very end. See, the last days started on the day of Pentecost. You say, how do you know it? Because remember on the day of Pentecost, the, the disciples were filled with 120 were in the upper room. They all got filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. The Spirit gave up. Everybody remember that? And then all of a sudden, these people from Jerusalem, because it was the Passover, the people from Jerusalem came and they heard about these people speaking in languages they'd never learned. People from Jerusalem, from all over the world had come there. So they went over to where these people were speaking in these languages. And they said, what's going on? You people, y'all wasn't from our nation. How did you learn our language? You haven't been to school to learn our language. They said, and Peter gets up and he said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days. Says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Peter said, Joel said that when you cease people speaking languages that they've never learned supernaturally by the Spirit of God, it's the beginning of the last days. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Well, listen, if the last days begin 2,000 years ago, how much more now are we not at the end of the last days? We're 2,000 years later. And that's what Peter said. He said that in the last days, the end of the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? For from before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. You hear somebody talking about the Lord coming, and most Christians who've heard anything about it say, well, we've heard that all our life. Most people who've never heard anything will say, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. That's some science fiction stuff. People scoff at it. They mock at it. But that does not make it untrue. Jesus is coming, and one of the signs of the preceding His coming is that when the signs start showing up, people will start making fun of it and scoffing at it. Go back to Matthew chapter 24. Go back to Matthew chapter 24. Notice what He says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 1. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to show him the buildings of the temple. And they said to him, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Verse 3, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us when will these things be? And other, they said, When is this temple going to be destroyed? That's the first question. When is this temple going to be destroyed? We know it was destroyed in 70 A.D. It was destroyed in 70 A.D. Jesus said there's coming a day when this temple will be destroyed. They said, look at this temple. And if you've never seen it, if you've never seen the foundation, the foundational stones are as big as that. One stone is as big as that wall. One stone is as big as that wall. The most amazing 
unbelievable thing. They still don't know how they got them there. They don't know how they got them on top of one another. It was overlaid in gold. It was the most people from all the world would come to Jerusalem just to see this temple. And Jesus said, that's no big deal. One of these days, that thing's coming down. And they couldn't believe that it would come down. And they said, when will that happen? And we know when Israel, when Jerusalem was invaded in 70 A.D., the temple was destroyed. So we know when the answer of that was. But then they said, when will these things be? What will be the, what's that next word? Sign. Notice they didn't say, when are you, what day are you coming back? They said, what's the sign? What can we see on the side of the road that lets us know we're getting close? What is the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And then in the next few verses, which we'll talk about over the next several weeks, in Matthew chapter 24, in Mark chapter 13, and in Luke chapter 21, Jesus describes events and conditions that will escalate on planet earth. And we're starting to see these things take place now with a greater intensity. All of them at one time have happened sporadically. But now we're starting to see them all happen with greater intensity all at the same time. And Jesus says when you start to see these things escalate in intensity, it's a sign. I'm getting ready to come back. Not to scare us, but to protect us. What are some of these signs? Widespread deception. He said one of the things that's going to happen in the last days is people are going to be deceived. Signs in the heavens. What have we seen over the last just several years? Remarkable signs taking place in the heavens with meteors and with the the sun and the moon. Things are taking place that the world has never seen before. Economic instability. Great seismic activity. Legal prosecution of Christians. Warring political systems. Famines. Wars. Persecution, pestilences, commotions, ethnic conflicts. We're seeing that take place in our own nation that we've never seen before. Ethnic conflicts and and immigration and everything that's taking place. We've never seen that. Countries of the world are closing their borders. Ethnic conflicts are taking place as never before. You say, well, that's happened before. That Not all of them together and escalating with such intensity. Emergence of false prophets. The love of many growing cold. This is the one that concerns me as a pastor because I see so many Christians falling out. They're falling out of church. They're gotten too busy to serve the Lord. Their passion for Christ is declining. There's always people who didn't love Jesus, but now we're seeing long-term Christians who all of a sudden are just got busy and they just don't even go to church anymore. They don't read their Bibles anymore. They, they just they become professional Christians. And the Bible says that's a sign. It doesn't say that you 
not a Christian. It doesn't say God doesn't love you. It just says your love is growing cold. Fearful sights and unknown diseases. He says when you start seeing all of these things taking place on the planet, and they all start to escalate, and they all start to happen at the same time, get smart. Something's fixing to happen. It's a sign. Jesus is getting ready to come back. How many over the last two or three months have seen things that's happened on the world stage, and seeing what's happening, and you've thought to yourself, man, Jesus better hurry up and come back. There ain't going to be any of us left here. See, it's a stirring. There's a stirring in us of the return of Jesus Christ. You say, what does that have to do with the day? I'm trying to get through my broken marriage. I'm trying to pick my life up from opioid addiction. I'm trying just to get a job and pay the bills. What does that have to do with today, Pastor? I need something for today. Well, turn with me. Let's close with this verse. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. It says this, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But what we but we know that when Christ appears, notice what he says. We know that when Christ appears, see he's talking about the apostle John's talking about Jesus coming back. When he comes back, when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And then he says something radical in verse three. All who have this hope, all who have this hope, hope of what? That he's coming back. All the people who have a hope that he's coming back purify themselves just as he is pure. One of the reasons that there's such a carnality in the church, one of the reasons that people today live so sinful is because they don't believe Jesus is coming back. Eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we may die. Throw something else in there. Eat, drink, and be merry. We probably won't do that if we know Jesus might come back tomorrow. My church I grew up got a lot of things wrong. They overemphasized some things and didn't emphasize other things enough. They, they taught me what to wear and how long my hair should be, and they shouldn't really got off on that stuff. My granny said that was meddling, that one preaching. They taught me where to go and where not to go. They said, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't go with girls that do. They taught me that stuff. They, they overemphasized some things, but one thing they got right. They put in me, as a young man, a knowledge that I need to guard myself and always be on the lookout because Jesus could come back at any time. So to be honest with you, there's some things I could have gotten into and my flesh wanted to get into, but I wouldn't get into because I scared if I got into it, about the time I got into it, Jesus had come back and I'd be left here with the Antichrist and he'd have to cut my head off, get me to go to heaven. 
I came home one afternoon from school. I was about 13, 14. I came home one afternoon. Came th- busting through the front door. Front door standing wide open. It was storm door. Wood door was standing wide open. Storm door. I just came through the storm door. Holler, hey mom, I'm home. What mom would usually say, hey, I'm in the bedroom. I'm in the kitchen. Or she'd be sitting in the den right at the front door. Watching as the world turns. or One of her programs, she used to say. I said, hey mom, I'm home. Silence. We used to a little house. My house I grew up in was just 800 square feet. So walked through the front door around the wall and there was the kitchen. and The stove was on and I remember it like it was yesterday. Mom's boiling potatoes. Smoke's coming out of the pot and the water's starting to boil. And I looked around. She's not in the kitchen. I thought, that's unusual. I've never seen her leave something on on the stove and her not be in here so I took a few steps and I went into the walked by the bathroom looked in there and she's not in there I thought she's in her bedroom mom stuck my head in the bedroom she's not there I walked through the kitchen went to the back door opened the back door think well she's on the patio opened back mom nothing suddenly hit me Jesus has come. You're left. Panic. Panic hit me. Oh, man. I went immediately to the phone. It was a phone on the wall. Anybody remember the phone on the wall? I went to the phone. It's rotary dial. Anybody remember rotary dial? 388-2761. That was my grandmother's number. If Granny answers, she's the most godly woman I know. If Granny answers, I'm okay. She doesn't work. She's always at home. I rang. It rang and rang and rang. Granny didn't answer. When Granny didn't answer, the water started boiling. I started crying. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. About that time... My mom came through the back door. You hollered at me. I went and hugged her like I've never hugged her before. Jesus hadn't come. Jesus hadn't come. She laughed. She said, what did you think? I said, you wasn't here. Granny wasn't there. I thought Jesus had come. She said, you better always keep your life straight then. We've we've lost just a consciousness that one day he might split the eastern sky we've forgotten in fact most of us don't even think about it that in a twinkling of an eye he might come back like he said he was going to come back and the things we've done in our body whether good or bad Our relationship with Him at that moment will be judged. And the Bible says, if you'll keep that hope of His coming alive in you, it will cause you to keep yourself pure and holy. Nobody has to fuss at you. Nobody has to preach to you. It will cause you yourself to keep yourself where you need to be in Christ Jesus.
So if you're here this morning and your Christian walk has gotten dull, you found yourself involved in some things that you thought you would never be involved in. You didn't do it intentionally. You just slowly drifted into those areas and your relationship with Christ is not where it needs to be. You're still a Christian. You love Jesus. But you knew if He came back today, there would be a question in your mind. Would you be pleasing to the Lord? Would you be pleasing to the Lord? Let's get that taken care of this morning. Because He is coming back. He's coming.